Hello and welcome to Foothill Christian American Canyon. We're glad you joined us today and we sincerely hope that you're blessed with today's message. Well, we're going to get started again with a continuation of our series, which is Jesus, Friend of Sinners. Jesus, Friend of Sinners, Part 2. If you, have a hand, if you need a handout, raise your hand. I'm not sure we'll get one to you. Otherwise, you should all have one by now. But uh, how many know that Jesus saves people from all walks of life? If, if you don't believe that, this church is a good representation of that. You look around and there's different colors, different languages. I mean, there's, there's uh, all kinds of people in this place, which I love every time I get a chance to be up here, to look out and see your faces. Amen? And, and how many know that it's not just one type of person? It's not just going to be filled in heaven with, with, uh, with, with one certain color, one certain race. How many are thankful for that? Amen? Yeah. Of course, we're all going to be speaking Spanish, but that's a whole other subject. Amen? <laughs> Amen. Okay. We can talk later. Amen. But you know, all of us, all of us are different. We're all different. God is using you and I to be the salt and light of this earth. How many know that you are the salt and light of this earth? Everywhere you go, people see you, people, people respond to you, amen? As a believer, there should be something attractive to them. I mentioned to you during our uh, love uh, relationships on, on Till Death Do Us Part series that uh, one of the things or the thing that attracted my, myself to Anna was that she was different than anybody I had ever dated in my life. She was a church girl, all right? She was a, a, a woman that was so different than anybody I'd ever met, and that was attractive to me. I, I had never dated anybody like that. And immediately, God, when I met her, said, that's the one you're going to marry. He told me that on October 13th, 1993, on a Wednesday night, but who's keeping track of those things? <laughs> Except me. Now this morning, I, I praise the Lord that there's a Savior who loves sinners, amen? Who loves sinners and understands us as we are. You know, this year, again, we're still early in the year, but I'm expecting this room to be filled, to be filled. We've got plenty more chairs than this. We've got more chairs. I've shared with you that I've had dreams of this room being packed out, myself walking in, and I'm going, where did all these people come from? And God showed me that dream one time, and I know this place is going to get packed out. So in order to have it packed out, we, we need to have the right attitudes. We, know how, we need to know how to love on people. How many agree with me on that? We need to know how to love on people. One of the great scriptures in the Word of God shares, shares with us and teaches us that uh, people knew that they were the disciples of Christ by the love they had for one another. You remember that scripture, Re recalling reading that? When I see our church here, I see that you're all loving to the visitor that walks in. To my mom and dad, when they come in, they're here today. Um, that, otherwise, they wouldn't come back, right? Uh, who's going to come back to a church that doesn't give them love, right? All of you have felt that love here. All of you have. And so I'm thankful that each of you do that and share that love. Let me just ask you a few questions here, because I'm going to try to make a point to you here. Um, I'm going to ask you a few questions, so, so bear with me. How many of you did not grow up in a Christian home? Raise your hand. How many didn't grow up in a Christian home? Okay. Um, how many of you grew up in a Christian home, but it was mom and dad's faith? It wasn't really your faith. It was mom and dad's faith. 
that really carried you. Right? Okay, some more hands. Um, and, then, and then you realized it was mom and dad's faith. You, you went out and partied, did your thing, and then eventually you came back, right? You came back. So there's a few other hands there. How many of you came to know Jesus Christ as a believer after your 30th birthday? Raise your hand. After your 40th birthday? After your 50th birthday? So, so every time there's some new hands coming up, right? How about, uh, how many of you were your parents happily married as believers? Raise your hand. Okay. How many of you were your parents happily married as believers, as Christians? Okay. Some more hands there. How many of you had parents that were divorced when you were young? Okay. So I'm trying to make a point here is none of us here are the same. We're all different. All of us. Yet we're a melting pot, kind of like our country. We're a melting pot. God brings all kinds of people together in his kingdom. There is not one certain group, one little cookie cutter type of person he's looking for. You don't have to be five foot nine, have great hair, have a nice suit. And I'm talking about Justin. Um, Oh, wait, he's not wearing his coat today. But, you know, God doesn't have a cookie cutter mold. We come from different, different backgrounds. Amen. And God uses all those backgrounds and calls every one of us. That video we just saw, just to give you that quick background there, the tax collector was the most despised person in the Jewish um, era at that time. They were despised people. You see, they were taxing their own people uh, upon the Romans' wishes, desires. It was all for the Roman government. And they were taxing their own people. They were the the slime of the slime, the bottom feeders of the bottom feeders. Nobody cared for them. And so here's this guy, Matthew, the tax collector. He knows nobody likes him. He knows nobody cares for him. Yet there was something stirring in his heart. When you get to that point in your life that you're at the end of your end, you hit rock bottom. You've been there before? I know I have. You get there and you, you want something different. You begin to say, Lord, are you real? Lord, I need you. Where are you? And all of a sudden, Jesus comes walking into your life. Jesus came walking into his life that, that day and changed his life forever. How many can relate to that this morning? Amen? Amen? Again, some more hands. Amen. See, it doesn't matter if you have a PhD, uh, a master's, drive an LTD. It doesn't matter if you have any of that stuff. God, all he wants is a repentant heart. He wants a repentant heart. It's very simple. How do I come to know Jesus? Repent. That's all it takes. Repentance is the very first step. And and that's what you and I did. Amen. I want to share this right here. Listen to these words here. God saves and that truth, that singular truth continues to this day because of how he goes about doing it. God is not in need of a particular set of circumstances in order to save. He doesn't need you to grow up in Pastor Rick's home. He doesn't need you to grow up in in Wayne and Irene's home. No, he doesn't need you to be strung out on drugs for a decade to save you either. We've all heard great testimonies of what God's done and brought you out of misery, brought you out of, uh, of a lifestyle of wickedness. He doesn't need any of that. He can save you just as you are, wherever you are. Amen? Amen. You know, Psalms 139, another, another one of my favorite verses, um, that God created us 
and you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Every one of you, say that. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Now, maybe that's not the self-esteem you grew up with. Maybe that wasn't what you're used to hearing. But I just want to remind you today, Jesus said you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Amen? Amen. Amen. Just as you are. With your big nose, your big ears, whatever, big feet, whatever it might be. You're fearfully and wonderfully made today. Amen? Stand with me this morning as we read the text this morning found in Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7. If you can stand this morning, uh, let's read from Luke chapter 7 starting in verse 36 this morning. This is the account of where Jesus is anointed by the sinful woman. Verse 36. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. And when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, He said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of a woman she is, that she is a sinner. And Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had money to pay him back. So he forgave the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? And Simon replied, Well, I suppose the one who had the biggest debt forgiven. And Jesus said, You have judged correctly. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house, and you did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears. And wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss. But this woman from the time I entered. Has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head. But she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore I tell you. Her many sins have been forgiven. As her great love has shown. But whosoever has been forgiven little. Loves little. Then Jesus said to her. Your sins are forgiven. And the other guests began to say amongst themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Let's bow our heads and pray this morning. Uh, Father God, we love that passage, that word that reminds us that there's nothing we have done or could do or ever think of doing that you can't forgive. As what was said earlier this morning, Jesus, you can forgive all kinds of sins. And Lord, I'm thankful that you have and that you continue to forgive sins. Even when we fall short, we can come before you, cast our sins upon you, and you forgive us. You wipe us clean and you give us another start, Lord. I'm so thankful for that this morning. And I pray this morning that you would help each of us to open our heart to receive your word. And that, Lord, that we would be doers of your word and not just hearers only. And we praise you and thank you for that in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. 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 Look at your neighbor and tell them, Jesus is a friend of sinners. You may be seated this morning. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. 
How many love that story? It's a great illustration. And I'm going to go into this story, and I'm going to look at the verses, and then we're going we're to break them down, okay? Now, did you notice here who it's talking about? It said a woman of the city. Let's make this clear right now. It's, it's not talking about some upstanding citizen that belonged to the city council that was awarded volunteer of the year. We're not talking about that person. We're talking about a prostitute. That's what we're talking about. That's what the Bible is trying to make clear here. This person was a woman of the streets, essentially, is what he's saying here. A woman of the city. She's a prostitute. And when she had heard that Jesus was at, was at this place, you see, she was at a place in her life. She needed a change. She needed something desperate. Have you ever been desperate where you were willing to do something and, and, and for a change, for a positive change? Have you ever just thrown yourself at the feet of Jesus spiritually? Have you ever thrown yourself at an altar spiritually and just cried out to God, Lord, save me? That's what's going on here. That's what's going on here in this place. So she comes, runs right into the house. She didn't knock. She didn't say, Wayne, can I come in? She didn't ring the doorbell. She didn't have, or the homeowner didn't have ring, the ring app and could see who was at the door and talk to her. She didn't have, or they didn't have that. She just charged right in and threw herself at his feet. Now, check this out. Jesus, as was the custom back then, they would sit down and his feet would be behind him, okay? Sitting at a table that sits down at the ground. It wasn't like you and I today, we sit in chairs at a table. They were reclining. The Bible says he was reclining at the table. And she barges right in. Sometimes you need to just barge right in and get the Lord's attention, amen? Sometimes you just need to forget about what's going in, on in your life and just barge in and say, Lord, you need to hear me right now. Lord, I need your help. How huh, Raquel? Amen? You just need to barge in. Amen. Now, let me continue here. It says, Behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment. Now, an alabaster flask at that time were very, very expensive. This was not any ordinary jar or flask. It was an expensive, expensive piece of, 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 uh, of a flask with this oil in it. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping. So she, she's standing behind him. And what I want to point out to you right now is when you have unconfessed sin, you cannot be in the presence one-on-one -on -one and look at Jesus directly. You have to be behind him and confess that sin, have him clean that sin out of your life, and then he allows you to come face-to-face -face with him. See, there's nothing unrighteous and unholy that can be in his presence. That's why she was behind him. That, that was something that you and I need to grasp here this morning. Now, she said, the Bible says that she began to wet his feet with her tears. The tears are tears of repentance. She's repenting and asking the Lord to forgive her and, and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with that ointment. Have you ever been at a place where you're repenting and you're just sobbing tears uncontrollably? If you haven't, I feel sorry for you. I really do. I really do feel sorry for you if you've never been at that place. But I'm, I want to remind you this morning, the Lord wants you to come in repentance to Him. Amen? Now, when the Pharisee 
When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, that the woman was pouring this ointment on him, this expensive ointment, wiping her tears and wiping her hair on his feet as she's sobbing. When the Pharisee saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. That's what he said to himself. He's judging her, right? He's judging her. He's condemning her. But here's the great news here. Here's the great news. The Lord didn't do that, did he? He didn't do that. And he didn't do that to you and I. He didn't condemn you. What did that scripture say? John 3, 17. The Lord did not send his son to condemn us. He didn't condemn us. He loved us. Amen. See, here's why the Pharisee was doing that. Because when they could condemn and say, well, she's dirty, she's unrighteous, she's unholy, it made them feel special. It made them feel holy. It made them feel righteous. When in fact, they were the unrighteous ones. They were the unholy ones because of an attitude. An attitude. Amen? It's also a sign of self-righteousness. A sign of self-righteousness. When you can point at somebody, yeah, well, I'm not like that person. At least I don't. You know, you fill in the blank, right? And so we, we, we mentioned this last week. Be careful when you catch yourself in that situation. Don't be judging other people in that situation. You love on them. You encourage them. You pray for them. But you're not their judge. Amen? Amen. Amen. So she, here she's sobbing. She's just tearing up. There's snot flowing out of her nose. I mean, it's just a mess. She's, but Jesus didn't stop her. She's there cleaning and in repentance. Did, did you come to Jesus at some point? Were you like me and just tearing and snotting and all that at one point in your life? I, I know there's somebody else here besides me that was like that. I know there's many others here that were like that. And that's how this woman was in this situation. And, and this man, this Pharisee, is judging the Lord Jesus. He's judging him. He's saying, this man can't be a prophet if he knew who this woman was, this woman that walks the streets. And Jesus, the Bible says, answering the man. Did you catch that? He answered the man, yet the man hadn't spoken it. What does that tell you? Jesus knows your thoughts. Amen. Jesus knows your thoughts. Amen. Wow. Yeah. You got to be careful with those thoughts, right? We got to be careful with our thoughts. It's not what we say. It's also what we think. And at the same time, Jesus answered them. Have you ever had your thoughts answered? That's, if you put yourself in the place where Jesus is at, he will answer your thoughts. He will answer you through his word. Amen. And so right there, Jesus answered. He said, and nobody has said anything to him. Nobody has said anything to him at that moment. And Jesus answered him, spoke to him. And the man must have been amazed at that moment. Kind of figured out. Well, I'm not just talking to any ordinary person here. He truly is a, a prophet at this point. He's, trying to, he's starting to get this clue. And, and Jesus says, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, say it, teacher. Say it. And, and, and so he said, he said, a certain moneylender in verse 41, a certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. That was the money, that the currency that they used back then, denarii. And they could not pay. And he canceled the debt of both. Now which of them will love him more? And of course Simon said, well, the one that had the larger debt. And Jesus said, you have judged rightly. 
How many have been forgiven of much here? How, how great is your praise? Is how greatly you've been forgiven. I'll tell you that right now. How great is your praise? Is how greatly you've been forgiven. If your praise is great, it's because you've forgiven of much. If your praise is little, it's because you've been forgiven of little. It's that simple. That's what he's pointing out to this, this Pharisee right here. And he turns to the woman and he began to speak to Simon. So he's looking at the woman, yet he's speaking to Simon. And he's looking at the woman and he began to say, he began to say Do you see this woman, Simon? Do you see this woman? I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet. Again, the custom back then was their Nikes back then were just sandals, open-toed sandals. And they didn't have paved roads like we do today. They didn't have asphalt, concrete roads. Their, Their feet would get dusty and dirty. And it was the custom upon entering a home that they would wash your feet, that they would give you water to at least wash your feet. And here, Jesus is pointing out, You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has given me, she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, which are great, are forgiven. For she loved much, but he who is forgiven little, loves little. If you've been forgiven little, you love little. You get that connection? Amen? Then he said to her, which is the most profound thing in this whole parable, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven today. Amen? How many are thankful for that? Amen. Now, here's, here's what's going on. This Pharisee knows that the only one that can forgive sins is God Almighty. He knows that. And here he sees Jesus telling this woman, I forgive your sins. Jesus is saying, I'm God in that moment. He's telling that Pharisee, I have a supreme authority to forgive sins. Almighty authority here on this earth to forgive sins. Amen. I am so thankful for that, that he forgives sins. Only God can forgive sins. And then verse 50. This is what, when, when Jesus loves on you. When he loves you as a sinner. Remember what we said last week. He loves us, but he's not content to leave us in that condition. Amen. Notice what he tells that woman right here. He tells her here. Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Go in peace. Last week. We, we, we mentioned the account of, of the woman who was ca- caught in adultery and they were about to stone her. And then he, after he forgave her, he said, now go and sin no more. He always had words of encouragement, of direction at that point. But he didn't say, what were you thinking? What, what are you doing? This is the fifth time this month. What's going on? He didn't say any of that. Although he could have, he probably could have. How many of us are so quick to jump at our spouses, at our children, at a coworker, at somebody in our retirement community, <laughs> and just say, oh, there they go again. They, there they go again. You know, we're always quick to judge. Rather, why not take the approach that Jesus did? He would, he would be forgiving, and then he would encourage them, go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. 
And in this case, he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Go in peace. Let me tell you, that woman not only received forgiveness, but she had a peace. The Bible talks about a joy unspeakable, full of glory. And she left that place probably singing, probably kicking her heels, walking around. Yeah, No, she wasn't wearing high heels. Amen. Amen. Now, again, the important thing there to know is God wants us to go in peace. Go and sin no more. He doesn't condemn us in that situation. That's the great news. That's the gospel right there. Amen. Isaiah 59 and 1, scripture in the Old Testament says this. Isaiah 59 and 1 says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, or his ear dull that it cannot hear. What it's trying to say is, it can save anybody out of any situation. It doesn't matter what you're in. If you begin to call on the Lord, He's going to hear you. He's going to listen to you. And, and, and we all know that when we take a step, He takes two steps. You take two steps, He takes four steps. He wants to meet you and greet you right where you're at. He doesn't want you to live in condemnation, all beat up, every day of your life. Who wants to live there? Nobody. And... and on another unrelated subject, that's the problem with a lot of our youth. You heard about that one, I think he was 20-year-old young person that jumped off the bridge here, uh, the Carquinez Bridge, uh, just a week or so ago. He was a 20-year-old, texted his, uh, he was from American Canyon. He texted his mom and dad, as was his custom, said, I love you, thank you for everything. And he, he often would do that, but he must have been struggling with some self-esteem. You don't go jump off a bridge if you have high self-esteem, let me tell you that. He, he, I don't know what his situation was like. 20 years old, jumped off the bridge. They found his body in San Rafael a few days later. The, the waters had carried him out. But it's tragic. The Lord does not want you to live in that kind of situation. The Lord doesn't want you to be condemning yourself, nor should we condemn others. Amen? Amen. Amen. That person needed love. That person needed encouragement. That person needed someone to come alongside them. Hey, how's your day going? Hey, can I tell you that you remind me of, of a young Ben Affleck or, you know, somebody, uh, George Clooney, I don't know, whoever it is. You tell them, you encourage them, you, you brighten up their day. Amen? That's what we're all supposed to do with one another. I want to give you four quick points and then I'm going to close this morning. The first point, I don't know if we have that on the Outline, or we, yes, we do. Look at that. Wow. Number one, the power of the forgiveness of God takes what is shameful and removes it and replaces it with the mercy of God. God saves. Let me repeat that again. The power of the forgiveness of God takes what is shameful and removes it and replaces it with the mercy of God. I'll tell you right now, before you came to know Christ, there was shamefulness, there was unrighteousness, there was unholiness in your life. I don't care how good you were, that's a fact. That's what the Bible says. And that's the forgiveness, the power of the gospel, to forgive you of that past. And that's why I always quote 2 Corinthians 5 and 17 that says, Behold, the old is gone. 
The old is gone. It's dead. The new has come. You're not walking in newness. You've crossed that line and walked over into light. The darkness is behind you. Jesus has wiped that, that whiteboard, and in my day, the blackboard, from, from your history and never to be remembered against you again. Your sins never to be held against you. Thrown into the sea of forgetfulness as far as the east is from the west. I mean, that's, that's great news right there. Amen? Give him a hand clap if, if that's great news. Amen. It is awesome news. Point number two, our Heavenly Father is the only Father who ever says, come on, pester me, bother me, knock, knock, talk to me, talk to me. He's the only Father that will do that. You know, there's many times, you know, I'll, I'll go, I have a little office in my house and I'm studying and then I always close the door because you know what happens when you leave your door open, right? Anybody walks in. It's the same thing in my workplace. I have an office and I'll close the door when I don't want to get bothered, but... I'll have a knock and it'll be Raquel. Dad, can I ask you something? Or Bianca will ask me or even Anna. And that's fine. I mean, you you got to make time for that. But there are some times when you don't want to be disturbed and you say, can I talk to you later? I got to finish. I got to wrap this up. And so the Lord here, our Father in heaven is saying, I don't have that. I don't have that do not knock door, that do not knock sign on my door. You can come in. It's an open door anytime. Anytime you want to come and have a conversation with me. Anytime you want to have a chit chat, I'm here for you. Amen. Aren't you thankful for that? 24 7, 365 and 366 on a leap year. Amen. Amen. So don't quit asking. Don't quit asking. Don't ever think, oh, the Lord's heard me before. I don't need to say it again. He, he heard me. Yeah, he heard you the first time. But he wants you to pester him. He wants you to, uh, to remind him again, to, to ask him, to bug him. Keep, keep going, amen? amen? That was point number two. Now, let me share this with you. I've been a believer in Christ for a few years now, and I've been following him faithfully for a little bit. And in that time, I have friends and family members who I love deeply, and some of them don't want anything to do with Jesus Christ. You know, they'll never go to church. They'll never want to hear you witness to them. Um, in fact, let me just share again. What, um, in 1984 is the first time in my life, you know, let me back up even further. 19, I was 20 years old. It was a long time ago, uh, a few years ago. It was the first time anybody ever witnessed to me in my life when I was 20 years old. It was at a night job I was working. And... This one guy was just me, this, the janitor, and then a security guard. And, and Larry Hamilton, who you, you have all met here, he came one time here. He was the guy that witnessed to me when I was 20 years old. I had never heard the gospel like this. I had never opened up a Bible and read it. Um, I've seen a Bible. We had a, a family Bible in our, in our living room, right, Mama? And it was on there. Uh, you know, you'd have to blow off all the dust. And, and they had pretty colored pictures in there, which I used to look at, but I never read the Bible. And so this gentleman starts witnessing to me, and I would tell him, oh, I don't want to hear that. And I would, uh, I would tell him some things I, I didn't want to hear. It. But he planted a seed in here. Uh, he planted something in here. I was 20, uh, 20 years old. I don't want to live like them Christian prudes, you know, those, those people. I thought you were all crazy. I thought you were fanatics, and I thought, no, I'm not going to give my life up. I want to live my hard-headed, self-righteous lifestyle. So I did, and then about the age of 24 is when I began to say, Lord, Lord, there's got to be more to life than this. There's got to be more to life than this. And that's when he revealed himself to me. I mean, I asked that on a January, you know, starting a new year, 
January 19 something. And, and then all of a sudden, who shows up at my door? This uncle of mine in a three-piece suit who, who's holding a Bible like this. He's holding a Bible. Can I come in and talk to you about Jesus? And I said, sure, Uncle Jimmy. And, you know, here's a guy who I, I knew wasn't a Christian, who I knew hadn't been living for Christ. In fact, it was quite the opposite. And I won't go into details there. And then that began that conversation. That began that, that hunger, that desire that the Lord said, okay, you're knocking. Here you go. Here you go. Just open the door. Let me talk to you a little bit. And so that got my foot in the door of a re- with a relationship towards Jesus Christ. Has anybody had that experience in your life where you prayed and all of a sudden God answered it and sent someone to you? Has anybody ever had that experience? And so I got saved in, in my family. I was, I was living with my mom and dad at that time. And uh, actually, no, I wasn't. I wasn't yet living with my mom and dad. But just at that point, um, I got saved. And then, then I started witnessing to my mother and father because they weren't going to church at that time and had a loving, uh, born-again experience with God. My brother, my sisters, none of them were. They were all going to hell. Amen. Just like I was. And so then I began to witness to my mom and my dad. And then my mom came to church that same year, later in the year, in September, I believe. And then my sister Irene came also, and then, uh, or Yolanda. And then later, a few months later, my sister Irene came uh, to church, got saved. And then my brother, my brother Reuben. <laughs> my brother Reuben. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Give him a hand. He's here today. And he's been... A born-again believer now for quite a few years as well. But he didn't want to have nothing to do with it for about 10 years. He didn't want to have nothing to do with it. That was the last thing on his mind. But there comes a point in time. My point here is God deals with us differently, doesn't he? He deals with us individually, specifically. And he'll bring you to a place in your life where you begin to say, Lord, is this all there is? Is there more to life than this? Lord, are you real? I need to know that you're real. I need transformation in my life. And, and if you're like me, you found that place and the Lord just forgave you of your sins. And that's a wonderful, wonderful day in the neighborhood. Let me tell you. Amen? Amen. Now, I believe the Bible, which means I believe that hell is no joke. Amen? Hell is no joke. And that's our mission as believers to share this with others Because that is their destiny. That is what they're earning. Romans 6.23 says, The wages of sin is what? Death. Death. What are wages? It's something you earn. How many get a paycheck every week? Or every two weeks? Or every month? You get a paycheck, right? Of some sort. You earn that. You earn that. As sinners, we earn death, which is hell. Eternal separation from God Almighty. I don't know about you, but I don't want any of my family, my friends going there. Amen? Amen. I want them to recognize that heaven is there for them. As, as Dan pointed out here, we're eternal beings. We're living forever, forever. You're going to spend eternity somewhere. Amen? You're going to spend it either up there in heaven with the Lord or down there with most of the people that we hung around with. There will be more people in hell than there will be in heaven. Can we just clarify that right now? There will be more people in hell than there will be in heaven. Narrow is the road that leads to righteousness. Wide is the gate and the path that leads to destruction, the Bible says. That's why there will be more people in hell. So don't don't confuse yourself. 
Don't think that, well, God loves us so much, He's just going to take us up in there. No. You've got to bring repentance into it. You've got to get on your knee and say, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me. That, those tears have got to begin to flow. Repentance, true repentance, has, begin, has to begin to flow in your life. Amen? Amen? Now, here's what happens when you begin to pray for people like, like I prayed for my family and like you're praying for your family members and friends. You begin to think that, well, I guess it's not meant to be. I guess they're just going to live like a sinner. I guess they're going to be a homeless person, lose, lose uh, all of the uh, salvation experience that they had at one point and, 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 and cast their life out and lose their life and, and go to hell. And I'll just use an illustration here. Sister Betty has a, a wonderful daughter, Elisa, that she's very proud of, right? She has an amazing testimony, turning her life around, giving her life back to Christ, and he has restored her, given her a ministry to the, to the less unfortunate, and she blesses people with food and, and, and the word, and, she, and God uses her greatly. But there could have come a point where Betty could have said, Mother Betty could have said, well, I guess it's not meant to be, but no, if you know her, if you know her, her faith is rock solid. She's going to continue to believe, continue to seek the Lord. And, and my point here this morning is the Lord wants you to keep seeking, keep knocking, keep asking on behalf of that person, whoever it may be, that, that may be a relative, that may be just a friend that doesn't know Christ, that they refuse to do that. See, you don't know if you could be a, if you're a Larry Hamilton to them. What I mean by that is somebody that just speaks and puts a seed inside of somebody. And then four years later, it, it starts to sprout. Because when I was 20, 21, 22, 23, I had no desire to go to a church. No desire to be in here with all you crazy people. I had no desire to do any of that. But when I was 24, all of a sudden, boom. That seed that planted, that was planted, it, it, it bloomed. And it's, Lord, I need you. Lord, there's got to be more to life than this. And that's when the Lord knocks on my door. Hey, can I talk to you about Jesus? Can I talk to you about Jesus? That's how it works. You seek, you knock. And, and, and that's what we need to do, amen? Don't quit. Don't stop praying. Don't stop seeking on behalf of your family members. Amen. Now, here, here's the thing that you, if you're not careful, you can run into we can do this. We can often put the burden of salvation on ourselves. We can say, well, if, if I don't get to them, if I don't reach them, if I don't uh, share this message with them, if I don't tell them that they can listen to Pastor Rick's messages on foothillonline.org or on soundcloud.com and just look on Pastor Rick, um, they can hear the latest sermon. If I don't tell them that, they're going to go to hell. Well, no. Number one, you don't save anybody. Right. You don't save nobody. I've never saved anybody. None of you are ever going to save anybody, but God uses us. God uses us to be able to share with them. Amen? That's what we need to, to, to look at. You can't be putting the burden of, oh, they need me to, they need me. No, they don't. God can use anybody else. God can use a person at Safeway. God can use a person at Starbucks. God can use a person in your retirement community. Amen? He can use anybody. The world has a Savior. And thank God it's not you and me. Amen? Thank God it's not you and me. We'd be in a world of hurt if, if, if I was your Lord and Savior. Amen? Let me just tell you right now. 
Now we're going to believe however that hardened person is, however hardened that soul is, that God is going to touch their soul, that God is going to speak forgiveness into that person, that God is going to speak mercy and grace into that person. We've got to continue to, to be willing to seek, to knock, to ask. You, you can't quit, church. You cannot quit. You have to keep going and, and trust God. We have the saying that says, you do your best and let God do the rest. Amen? Because you're not the Holy Spirit. Amen? God alone is the Holy Spirit. So, again, one of the greatest scriptures here that, in relation to this, the Bible tells us, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That rest is talking about a spiritual rest. It's talking about a forgiveness. And only the Lord can give us that. And in closing this morning, I'm going to cover the last two points, but I want to read a passage from Romans, Romans chapter 12 and verses 9 through 13. Romans chapter 12 and 9 through 13. It says this about love. It says, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. And verse 13, share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Amen? Amen. There is so much going on right there. But here's what I want to talk to you about. The hospitality statement there. Hospitality is not just simply saying, Oh, come on in. Let me, let me treat you. Let me be hospitable to you. Here, let me take your coat. Let me hang it up. Here, can I get you a water? Can I get you a cup of coffee or tea? It's not talking about that. What it's talking about here is hospitality is you matter to me. You matter to me. You're important to me. That's why we come up to one another. That's why Pastor Rick comes up to little CJ. That's why who's, you know, four years old. Four years old, tells them, gives them a big hug. Comes up to Jaya, gives them a big hug. Because they matter to me. I don't live with them, but they matter to me. Um, Some of you have seen that in our church. They come up to you and say, how are you? They're not just chit-chatting because they're trying to be nice. It's because you matter to them. Amen? And that's our attitude as believers, is that we should matter to each other. Amen? I care about your marriage. I care about your kids. I care about your jobs, about your retirement. I care that everything is being met in your life. I, 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 I hurt when you hurt. Uh, I rejoice when you rejoice. Amen? That's what the church is all about. We're not to be passive. We're to be active in showing hospitality. We're to show hospitality and truly like that, that, that people matter around us. Because you do. Amen? And point number four, our final point is, honor one another above ourselves. Everybody say this with me. It's not about me. It's not about me. It's not about me. Amen? And it's not. It's not about you. It's not about me. And if, if, if you want to know the secret to life, it's this. Putting others above yourself. When you put others above yourself as you elbow your spouse and you know, the person next to you, When you put others above you, life goes well with you. Because guess what happens when you put others above you and they see that, wow, this person is really treating me really nice. Then you begin to reciprocate that. You begin to teach them or treat them the same way. Amen. Honor 
one another above yourself. So let's begin from this day forward, if you have not done that, to serve one another. To serve one another. Others are more important than me. I have this saying on my Facebook. Everybody has a, who has a Facebook knows this. That you have an intro. It just tells them a little blurb about you or what you do or whatever. Mine says, mine says uh, if you meet me and forget about me, you lose nothing. But if you meet Jesus and forget about him, you've lost everything. And so you have to have something like that in your life. That's your attitude. It should be that of others. It shouldn't be about yourself. Amen? So finally, again, honor one another. Be patient with one another. Sometimes, how many have found this to be true? The older we get, the less patience we have, right? Uh, I, I don't know what happens. The Lord just doesn't dump us any more patience. But when, when we're 20, when we're 30, we have lots of patience because we need it, raising kids. But when we get to be older, you know, like 152, I mean, we just run out of patience. We run out of patience. I don't know why that is. Lord, help us all. Amen. Here's what I, my closing point here this morning. Here's what what life should really look like outside these doors, okay? Because it's great to be here in church, great to treat each other nice, great to respect each other, great to show hospitality that you matter to one another. But here's how it is at, or how it should be outside of here. Um, let me give you this example. Say you live next door to someone, and that person you know is an unbeliever. In fact, they're quite the unbeliever. Maybe they would have nothing to do with church, but yet, yet that person should be of the opinion of you as a believer. Wow, that Wayne, he's a, he's a pretty cool guy. Man, he comes over and mows my lawn. I don't even ask him to. Um, Irene, I don't know, she's a pretty cool lady. She brings me some fruit and, uh, and vegetables, and I didn't even ask her. Man, they're really sweet people. Is that your reputation with your neighbors? Oh, it got quiet in here. Whoa, it got quiet. But that's really what our reputation should be. They should be able to say, that person there that lives in that house, there's something special about them. And that's the love of Christ in you. It's not because you're good, because we have no goodness in us, the Bible tells us. We have no righteousness in us. It's the God that lives in us that makes us good. Yes. Amen? Amen? Amen. So is that your reputation? T today could be a good starting day. Tomorrow. You know how at the end of the service, Wayne's walking around with a bowl of fruit. Please take it. I don't want to take it home. Please take it. The oranges, the apples, the, the uh, bananas. Maybe, how about you take a bowl of fruit to your neighbor? Say, here, I was just thinking of you today. Just want to drop this off. Oh, thank you. Man, they're going to be, their image of you, their, their thought of you is just going to shoot right on up. And that person, you may not like them. They may be that neighbor that's always making a racket. Their dogs are always going off. They, they, they drag their garbage cans out at 3 in the morning. You know, those neighbors. But go show them love anyways. Amen? Take their garbage cans back. Take, yeah, take their garbage cans back. That's a good thing that you can do. Amen. And I, and I shared that thing about mowing the lawn because that's what this gentleman does. He goes and mows his neighbor's lawns. I mean, that's awesome. And there's other things like that that you can do. Every one of you can do. So this morning, I want to make sure that you recognize we're the church. We're the bride of Christ. We are who the world needs, desperately needs. Our world is finding itself in a terrible situation day after day after day. It's, it's getting worse. 
um, no matter what side of the political realm you're on, it's getting worse. That's the reality of our life. And our world needs a savior. And the only savior they're going to see is in you, is in you, is in each of you. If that savior is attractive to them, that opens the door to the real savior. Amen? Amen. So let's bow our heads this morning. I want to pray a blessing over you this morning that God would just use every one of you, that God would, would create in you a spirit of just of, of humility, of, uh, of forgiveness, of caring for your neighbor. So, Father God, Lord, we heard your word this morning. And, Lord, it just reminds us of how great you are, your forgiveness, your spirit, that you walk before us, that you're the one that fights the battle. We don't fight the battle, Lord. And, Lord, there may be some here that have loved ones, maybe sons, daughters, maybe parents, maybe uncles, aunts that don't walk with you, that don't know you. And we pray right now, I pray for, for each of them a blessing that you would continue to help them be steadfast, to be consistent in their walk when they're around those people, that, they would, that you would give them words of life that could minister to them, that, Lord, you would place a, a hunger and desire in each of these people's hearts that don't know you, that those that are in here in this room that are listening to me on the Internet, Lord, would have the words to speak. That, Lord, that you would touch their lives. And so, Father, we thank you, Lord, that we can do that. We thank you, Lord, that we can be witnesses to you. The Bible does say we are your witnesses. And, Lord, that everywhere we go, we are the salt and light of the earth, that we are the light of Christ. So I pray, Lord, your blessing upon every home today, upon every individual, young and old, Lord. I pray your blessing upon them, that they would see the light of Christ upon every single individual here. That, Lord, that we would remember to be forgiving and not condemning. That, Lord, that we would remember that we were just to love on others. As Billy Graham once put it, we are to love. Our job is to love one another. The Holy Spirit's job is to convict. And so, Father God, we thank you for that. We thank you for your word this morning. I pray that we guard it in our hearts, that we be doers of your word and not just hearers only. And Lord, we thank you for this day. We pray your blessings upon the rest of this day in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen. amen. God bless you.